Welcome to episode number 99. Oh my goodness, guys. We are almost the triple digits. This is crazy sauce. So a couple things before we get into the meat of the matter. First, I would just like to announce that my laptop is currently sitting on a bag of ice. It is overheating. It is hot. It is summertime. If you recall, if you've been with this podcast a while, you know that I called out for anybody who wanted to help me pay for a new laptop. Well, guess what? My secret source high up on the Macintosh food chain told me, Sandra, you'd better wait until summer. Hang on. And so I did. And then they announced things a few weeks ago, and I was not particularly impressed. But hey, I've settled on my purchase. A new laptop is coming. And your contributions, which were sitting safely in a pile underneath my sex toys, are mightily appreciated. Thank you. Second, I would love to thank AdamandEve.com, promo code SEXNERD, for supporting this show for so long. Every week, they provide to you a promo code just for you, SEXNERD, to get your rocks off the fun way. Um, well, if you get your rocks off, I mean, it's fun. That's, that's more fun. They want to add to the fun. It's like math. It is adding. So, if you type in sexnerd at adamandeve.com, you get 50% off almost any item, free shipping, which is very sexy, three free DVDs, and a mystery gift. What? And to celebrate this week's episode all about porn and versus real sex, I noticed that in the DVD section, our pal and sex educator Jamie Waxman's video, 101 Positions for Lovers at 1995, is available for purchase. And Jamie, I think she mentioned on the show, she brought in real couples to Jamaica to get sexy for the camera. So I enjoyed her video. If you would like that video, I recommend it. Again, go to adamandeve.com, promo code SEXNERD for that 50% off almost any item, free shipping, very sexy, three free DVDs, and a mystery gift. Okay, moving on. Next order of business, addendums. One, last week's trans episode... I would just, for the record, I asked a lot of incredibly, incredibly personal questions to my friends JT and Cadence. The reason I asked them those things is because I know a lot of people have those questions. However, I realized I didn't preface by saying I had talked to them about it before we started to make sure it was okay for me to ask really prying questions, and I still felt awkward. So, if you want to ask a trans person in your life, private questions about what's in their pants or their relationship or their sex life, guess what? That really is none of our business. So if you do want to open up that conversation, first check in and see if they're comfortable with that. Don't just start diving in because you heard me doing it. Got it? Okay. Next, addendum. The clown sex episode. It has been brought to my attention, one, that many of you have skipped that episode because it gives you a little bit of a weird feeling in your inside parts. Second, I have been told by many people who actually had the courage to press play that it has become their favorite episode. So, if you are afraid of clowns and you're worried that the clown sex episode might do something horrible to your insides, guess what? It actually does the opposite. It made people laugh. They loved it. It was hilarious. It was a good time. So, face your fear. It could become your favorite episode ever in the world. Just saying. I also want to take a moment to acknowledge that someone very important in the sex ed field, Jack Morin, passed away this past month. Uh, he is the writer of The Erotic Mind and Anal Pleasure and Health. I, got to, I was so lucky to meet him a few years ago at my very first sexual science conference where he was receiving an award for being so awesome. He has made a lasting impact to the study of and resources for sexuality, and he will be missed. So now to this week's episode, a few things. First of all, Cindy Gallup is the guest and she has this amazing accent. I just, for the, the first half of the episode before I even, I just, I'm freaking out about how great she sounds. I just love the sound of her voice. Second, I am so sorry that while you get to enjoy her amazing accent, you also get to enjoy how congested and fuzzy headed I sound. I had just found out that day that Cindy Gallup was in town for a conference in downtown L.A. I ran all the way to downtown L.A. to the fancy Marriott just to interview her right after she got to interview Larry Flint on stage in front of a whole lot of fancy promotional people. So for those of you who don't know who Cindy Gallup is, when I mentioned I had interviewed her to several sex nerds, they freaked out. 
So if you're in the know, you know why. If not, stay tuned. It's going to be great. She's a phenomenal humanist and a brilliant mind in the business world. And just to give you a little bit of a heads up, we talk about porn and real world sex for a while, but I also get her to apply her business savvy to online dating profiles, which is hilarious. We talk about national sexual identities down near the end, which is, I never even thought about that. Apparently the French do it a little different. Also, if you're interested in business, some amazing tips to entrepreneurs and hippies alike. And this episode is just juicy, juicy with insight into the porn and porn site world that I had never even thought about. So I hope you enjoy the show, Naughty Monkeys. Enjoy. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Sex nerds! Some of you are going to pee in your pants because of <laughs> what's about to happen to your ears. I'm here with Cindy Gallup in a uh, very posh hotel room in downtown Los Angeles. Hi, Cindy. Hi. And some of you may know her from being the... Well, I like to think of her as like a dynamic spirit of innovation. Uh, but she spearheaded Make Love Not Porn, right? Absolutely. And you were a fabulous advertising exec before that. Or tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to the Make Love Not Porn point. Sure. Well, my background is 28 years working in brand building, marketing, advertising. Um, 16 of those for the same ad agency, Bartle Bogle Hegarty, BBH, which is why I'm here in the U.S. and based in New York, because I moved here in 98 to start up the U.S. office for them. Um, but um, while on the one hand, uh, Make Love Not Porn is actually a complete and total accident. Mm -hmm. I never set out to do anything that I'm doing currently. But on the other hand, a lot of that brand building and marketing experience has absolutely manifested in um, what I do with both Make Love Not Porn and my other startup, um, If We Around the World. Um, so, um, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, my background stood me in good stead in that respect. Yeah, oh, I was just watching a video of yours speaking on uh, recently on this in 2012, and I know that you did a talk at TED in 2009, and mm. it just blew up from what I understand. Is that correct? Um, yes. W what happened was, um, so um, I, I make love not porn derived from direct person experience. So I date younger men, and they tend to be men in their 20s. And through dating younger men, I came across this issue which would never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered it so intimately and personally, which is what happens when two things converge, when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's the meeting of those two things that results in porn becoming, by default, the sex education of today because there is nothing else. And so when I came across this, I went, whoa, I know where that's coming from. I want to do something about it. And so I put up on No Money um, a very basic clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that posts the myths of hardcore porn and balances them with the reality. The construct is porn world, real world. And the color palette, was it the color palette purple back then? Because it's uh, um, it, It's still, actually, makelovenotporn.com is still virtually exactly as it was when I launched oh, yeah? it okay. four and a half years ago. And, um, and where the design came from was at the time I said to my designer, I want this site to live in the world of hardcore porn. I don't want the slightest whiff of education, public service announcement about it, because, you know, that, that is a kiss of death. Um, I said, take your design cues in the world of porn. You know, so he did. It, it's kind of like cheesy cool, you know. And the second thing I did was... Did you say cheesy cool? Uh, cheesy cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cheesy cool. Yeah, okay. Cheesy cool. Because yeah. cheesy cool sounds like a yeah. cheese popsicle. Yeah. That's no, different. No, okay. cheesy cool. Um, and then the, the second thing I did was that I made it funny. I wrote all the copy myself and I made it deliberately lighthearted in order to defuse the awkwardness and embarrassment that exists around this whole area for so many people. So um, the opportunity came up to launch it at TED and I took a deliberate decision to be very explicit in my TED talk because I knew that audience would not get this issue mm -hmm. unless I was very straightforward. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it's safe to say, I think, that everybody at TED 2009 remembers my talk. As one Twitterer said, it was the first time the words come on my face had been heard on the TED stage, six times succession. Um, and that was really what caused the talk to go viral. And for there to be the most extraordinary response to Make Love Not Porn that I had never anticipated um, when I put it up. And the most extraordinary response was not huge amounts of traffic to, to the site on zero promotion for me, which, which was um, amazing and great, from every country in the world. So it went global without me doing anything about it. But the most amazing thing was that every single day for the past four and a half years, right up to the present day, I get emails to my Make Love Not Porn inbox. And I get them from everybody. I get them from young people, old people, male, female, straight, gay, from every country in the world. And even before the actual site that I put up there, what amazes people is simply the fact that I stood on the stage in public, I talked about and I'm doing something about what everybody knows but nobody ever speaks about. And so as a result, people feel able to tell me anything. They pour their hearts out to me in email. They tell me things about their sex lives and their porn-watching habits. They've never told anybody else before. Mm -hmm. um, they, they write to it for advice. You know, 15-year-old boys write for advice, 50-year-old women write for advice. And it was the cumulative impact of those emails coming day after day after day that began making me feel that I had a personal responsibility to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that would make it more far-reaching, helpful and effective. And so that's what led to MakeLoveNotPorn.tv. I feel like you and I could just sit down with our laptops and compare our inboxes. Oh, I bet. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but because essentially, because we never talk about sex... Um, when we are given the opportunity to, 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 everybody wants to. And, and, you know, this is why I explain, um, and I have to explain this because people are misled by the name, make love not porn is not anti-porn. The issue I'm tackling isn't porn. I'm tackling the complete absence in our society of an open, honest, healthy, truthful, authentic conversation around sex in the real world, which if we had it, would then amongst many other benefits also mean that people would then bring a real world mindset to the viewing of what is essentially artificial entertainment. My entire message with Make Love Not Porn boils down to talk about it. Talk about sex openly and honestly in the public domain and talk about sex openly and honestly, privately and intimately with your partners. Yeah, okay, so um, first of all, yeah, we need to talk about it more. I keep saying we don't need to reduce what's already existing in the world we need to add to it with something new and what you're providing is an avenue for something new that can add to the discussion and open it up a ton yep. um so when i realized that make love not porn tv has the option of creating a mixtape where you can just sort of send this what would you call it, like a playlist of... Yeah, yeah. Well, to, uh, at the moment, uh, so we are, we are tiny, we're bootstrapping, um, we're real testing while we build. So at the moment, we have um, a gifting capability where you, you, you can gift a real-world sex video. Uh, oh, and by the way, I should, I should probably just explain to your listeners what Make Love Not Porn TV is. Okay, yes, first things yet, first. So, yes, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, okay, so as I was saying, because our mission is talk about it, what I decided to do was to take every dynamic that exists out there in social media currently and apply them to the one area that no other social media network or platform has gone or will go, which is sex. Mm -hmm. So I'm out to socialize sex mm -hmm. and to make real-world sex socially acceptable and therefore just as socially shareable and discussable as anything else we currently share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So makelovenotporn.tv is a user-generated crowdsource platform where anybody from anywhere in the world can submit videos of themselves having real-world sex. We explain what we mean by real-world sex. It's not performative. Mm -hmm. This is not about performing for the camera. It's simply about recording what goes on in the real world in all its funny, glorious, messy, silly, ridiculous humanness. I and my team curate, mm -hmm. so we view every video. Our only criteria is, is this real-world sex. Tough job. Absolutely. And um, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> and, um, and we have a revenue-sharing business model where you pay to rent real-world sex videos, and we give 50% of that income to your, you, our contributor, or as we like to call you, our Make Love Not Porn Star. Okay, so if I want to make a video, mm. it did cross my mind. Fantastic. It Please, we'd love you to. I've never considered actually making porn before, realistically, until I watched <laughs> the thing. And I was like, that would be kind right. of... Now, to, um, now um, I will just um, say, um, we're not porn, we're not amateur, we're real-world sex. 
And um, I make that distinction because, um, and by the way, this is something that's quite difficult for people to get their heads around because okay. obviously we're very new and people tend to judge things in the context of, of what is out there and familiar. But the reason I say that is because um, Make Love Not Porn TV plays a different role to porn. So we're not simply masturbatory material, which of course we are, and we're thrilled to be. You know, we, we love the fact that we get our members off. But we, we, we are also, we are a fascinating glimpse into the real, raw, intimate sex lives of real people. Mm-hmm. Our core value proposition resides in the fact that Everybody wants to know what everybody else is really doing in bed, and right. nobody does. And now we're showing them. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, um, so just to give you a sense of the difference, um, a couple of our members' responses have been: one guy who's, who's in his forties, so he's mm-hmm. obviously watched a shedload of porn in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a very big fan of Make Love Not Porn TV, and and he said to us, "When I watch your videos, I feel I've never seen people have sex before." That's a difference. Wow. And, and another um, uh, member, a younger guy, um, said to us, and, and this really crystallizes for us, Sandra, what we're all about. He said, watching porn makes me want to jerk off. Watching your videos makes me want to have sex. And so we are about what every other social media platform is about, which is connecting people. You know, we're about um, creating the ability to have better communication because, you know, great sex is born out of great communication. And therefore, to enable people to have better sex lives and better relationships as a result. Oh, my God. It's like when you're single and walking down the street and you see couples holding hands or being cute. And you're like, oh, I want somebody to do that with. And it's kind of like that, but for sex. Yeah. Because you're right. Porn doesn't, you don't necessarily want to slam mm. your body against somebody else. You just kind of want to get off. Mm. Specifically, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like I said, you know, por- por- porn, is, porn is to masturbate to fundamentally. I mean, it's it's got a very specific role, which is about turning you on and getting to a certain point. You know, whether you watch it singly or, or, or whether you share it. Um, in our case, um, we're building a platform and tools to be what I call sexual social currency, mm-hmm. to give people an objective outside resource they can use to have those conversations and to make them easier. So um, when, I, when I told you earlier about all of those emails I get about makelovenotporn.com, which continues to be, by the way, um, the first discovery point that then sends people to makelovenotporn.tv, right. um, I get a whole bunch of emails that all say the same thing. They all go something like this. I came across your TED Talk, I went to your website, I shared them both with my fill-in-the-blank here, um, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, lover, partner. Off the back of that, we had a great conversation. Now our sex life is so much better, thank you so much. But because what I, what I explain to people often is that overly porn-influenced sexual behavior is often driven by the best of all possible motives and not the worst. Mm-hmm. Because we all get very vulnerable when we get naked sexual egos are very fragile. Mm-hmm. People find it, therefore, bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Because you are terrified that if you comment in any way on what's going on, you will hurt the other person's feelings, you'll put them off you, you'll derail the encounter, super awkward. You, you will derail the entire relationship potential, uh, potentially, but at the same time, you want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. You'll seize your cues on how to do that from anywhere you can. And if the only cues you've ever seen or been given are from porn, those are the ones you'll take to not very good effect. Yeah, we learn so, from each other. Yep, yeah, precisely. The only opportunity. And, and so, you know, what, what we're creating is a counterpoint, but something that actually gives you a way to introduce those conversations in a way that isn't awkward. And, and so I'll, I'll give you another example of what we're doing with Make Love Not Porn TV. So because we never talk about sex, mm-hmm. um, there is no socially acceptable language of sex in the real world. Okay? There is no vocabulary we can all use to talk about sex publicly and privately that everybody thinks is okay and is shared. Is that too and, medical or too well, vulgar? Well, 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 well as a result, the language of porn has rushed in to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Now... That's, that's a problem, um, not least because in a male-dominated industry, the language of porn is predominantly generated by men. The person who invented the term finger-blasting did not have a vagina. Because if you have a vagina and you hear the term finger-blasting, you cross your legs. The person I got a little tighter inside. Yep, the, the, <laughs> precisely. Um, the person who invented the term finger-blasting did not have soft internal tissue in the same way that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who coined the term getting your ass railed never had his ass railed. And so one of the things that um, we're doing is 
we, we want to try and help um, provide a vocabulary that, that lives not only on the site but can then be taken out into the real world. Mm-hmm. So we tag our videos um, in a way that is the opposite of the classic porn drop-down menu of anal, Asian, hairy, cream pie, whatever. We have, you know, juicy, succulent, wowzer, downtown. You know, and um, and so, so we're giving people a different kind of language that, that is socially acceptable oh. to use both publicly and intimately. Another thing we're doing in the interest of socially acceptable real-world sex is we have a design and copy policy um, on the site where unless you're actually streaming video, everything is safe for work. This is the website where when somebody sits down next to you, you you never have to slam your laptop shut. It's okay. It's it's make love, not porn. It's not TV, it's HBO. It's not porn. It's make love, not porn. So right down to the thumbnails we we put on our videos are safe for work. You know, the idea is that you could literally be on an airplane, you could have your laptop open at your seat, you know, on a plane with Wi-Fi. You could be on makelovenotporn.tv. You could have kids running up and down the aisle next to you. And as long as you're not streaming video, it's totally fine. That is so thoughtful. You're a smart lady. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it's not just me. Um, let, let, let me take this opportunity to say that makelovenotporn.tv is the result of me working with my two brilliant co-founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to talk about them because I get a disproportionate share of the limelight on this mm-hmm. venture. My brilliant um, co-founder and CTO, Corey Innes, who's the programmer, mm-hmm. and Uni Chase, who is our user experience design goddess. And, uh, and the two of them um, have... I mean, I had the concept, but they brought it to life in ways I could never have imagined in a really interesting way because, you know, we are building and designing something, and both Uni and Corey talk very eloquently to this, where... When you are persuading people to share the most intimate, private parts of themselves in a socially acceptable way, that is a whole different UX design and tech approach. UX? Versus, uh, sorry, it, it's the tech um, shorthand for user experience, ah, essentially. Now I'm in you the know. lingo. Yeah. So, uh, so actually, Business Insider um, interviewed Corey and Uni about how you design and build a real-world sex site that is not a porn site. And, you know, it's been absolutely fascinating. But I, I want to pick up on something you said earlier, because... People regularly say to me, oh, come on, Cindy, who the hell is going to upload real-world sex videos to your site in the way that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. And I go, you'd be surprised, because um, we are for all ages, um, and we have all ages represented our members and and our Make Love Not Porn stars. You mean above 18? Of of course. Uh, uh, Over 18, (laughs) but but, but then young, old, you know. Okay. Um, But but, but essentially, um, at the moment, the majority of our members and our contributors are Generation Y, which is 18 to Mm 30-year-olds. This is the generation that has grown up video sharing everything. So once upon a time, back in my day, for example, your marriage proposal used to be a really private, intimate, personal moment just for the two of you. You would never have dreamed of videoing a marriage proposal, putting it on Facebook, even less would you have dreamed of constructing an entire flash mob event around it, putting it on YouTube and wanting millions of views. So this is a generation that is growing up almost assuming there will always be a camera phone there recording everything. And this is also the generation where think about all of those celebrations of relationships. I've been listening because now I'm just fantasizing about my fantasy marriage proposal, you know, (laughs) about like, will there be a Broadway play? Will there be dancing? Well, precisely. Sorry, you you put me off onto a fantasy. That's that's okay. Okay, Back on track. Yes. Um, So think also about all of those celebrations of relationships that currently crop up in your Facebook timeline every day which range from, you know, those engagement announcements through wedding photos through to lovey-dovey coupley things. All we're doing is we're providing a platform to celebrate that last era of human relationships that nobody else will let you. But the motivations are exactly the same when it comes to sharing them. Whether they are, we have a wonderful relationship. We're madly in love. We have a fantastic sex life. We just want to celebrate that by sharing it through to, well, I think I'm pretty hot shit in bed. Get a load of this. You know, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's exactly the same panoply of dynamics yep. that lead to social sharing anywhere else. It's know? an interesting thought because... We don't really talk about the fact that on Facebook, a lot of us are exhibitionists of our life. And we're not necessarily displaying all of our life. People are, Mm. my friends are like, God, you've been so busy. Mm. You've been doing this. You've been all over the world. It's like, well, I guess that was part of the last month. But they didn't see me eating breakfast. So it's what we want to display and Mm. sort of show off. Mm. And that's what we use social Mm. media for. So it's, Mm. yeah, it really is kind of a, Mm. this happened. Guys, you've got to see when he does Mm. this thing. Mm. It's really hot. 
yeah. that's cool. Yeah. It's yeah. Kind of... I mean, no, I mean, no, exactly. And again, you know, um, it's entirely a matter of choice. You know, we only want people who, who want to do this. But 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 we are. I cannot tell you how grateful we are to our community of Make Love Not Porn Stars, because. All of them are doing this because they believe in our social mission. They want to see a more healthy, authentic dialogue around sex. So while a few of our contributors had videoed themselves of each other before, mm -hmm. the vast majority had never even filmed themselves having sex before, before they felt inspired and prompted to share their most private, intimate, personal moments with us. And so we take the responsibility of building our Make Love Not Porn Star community enormously seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, we love the fact that they've been brave enough to do this. Um, and again, our policies and approaches here are different from, you know, amateur porn sites. Real world sex means real world relationships, means real world shit happens. The moment your relationship changes, the moment you change your mind, you know, um, your videos are off the site. We will totally take them down, no questions asked. You tell us things have changed, you know. Oh, that's great. Mm. Oh, that kind of respect for mm. privacy when you want it. Nice. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And in fact, we took the opportunity, um, you know, um, a, a couple who are, who are very popular on Make Love Not Porn, not to me, their name is Iron Squares. And so, you know, they, they broke up, as, as people do. Iron Squares? Uh, um, I-O-N-S-Q-U-A-R-E-S. Uh, yeah, but if, if you want to go to Make Love Not Porn, not to me and check out their videos, they're fantastic. Okay. So, so, that, so they, they terminated the relationship and, you know, asked us to take the videos down, and we did. And we took the opportunity to email our members saying... You know, we just want, want you to know we're all very sad to see this happen. But, you know, we're happy to say, you know, if any of your circumstances change, your minds change, this is what we do. And, in fact, a lot of people email back saying it's so great you do that. I love that. Um, then, you know, because this is the real world, um, they got back together again. And so we are, we are delighted that, that they were then happy to put their videos back up and, and continue making more. And, in fact, a lot of our community were as well because um, they, they, they were very popular. They, they, you know, they were very much in love with each other. And, and their real-world sex is fantastic. And what they did was, um, so um, for all of our videos, we ask our Make Love Not Porn stars to make free-to-access intro videos. Mm -hmm. so, so these are our version of trailers. But, but an intro video can be anything you want it to be. And what we ask people to do is to contextualize their real-world sex. Because real-world sex has a backstory. Real world sex has relationships. Right, their story of how you know, they got together. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. So, um, uh, so, you know, different Make Love Not Porn stars do it in different ways. You know, some people talk to the camera and they explain what, why they chose to do this. In the case of Iron Squares, they had this really neat thing where they cut together teasers, but then the two of them spoke over the top of them, remembering the moment, you know, you've got his side, her side, um, you know, what the context was, what they were thinking, what the sex was like, you know. And uh, a, a bit like the, um, the second track on a DVD where the director and the actors talk about, you know. Yeah, and commentary. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that's really cool. It's a nice approach. Um, I have to take a pause for a second hmm. to point out the fact that Cindy has a necklace that is a... How, where do you even get... Okay, you have the right. like symbol from Facebook yeah. Yeah. on one necklace, and then your Twitter account yeah. as a sterling silver yep. necklace so, um so so first of all well the facebook like necklace came first um so, so th this is one one of a of, of a limited edition made by a young designer called lysander follett who works for nike in portland and so i love my facebook like necklace and i wear it everywhere because to me it's um a manifestation of my own philosophies my startups make love not porn if around the world are about using technology to make things happen in the real world and improve things in the real world. And so what I love about my Facebook like necklace is that it's a digital symbol mm -hmm. that creates positive interaction in the real world. Because when I wear this, everybody smiles and comments. Now, there is a generational divide. Young people go, oh, how cool a Facebook like. Older people go, oh, how nice a thumbs up. Uh, then, no, yes, really? Yeah. And then I have to explain it's a Facebook like. Then they get it. They go, oh. You know. but, but it creates positive social interaction in the real world. So I, get, I had to give a presentation on business to Twitter in their New York office. Mm -hmm. So I went in and presented, and I was wearing my Facebook-like necklace. Twitter weren't too thrilled about that. So after my presentation, they sent me this, which oh. is my Twitter handle on a necklace. And so now I have to wear both, which is fine because I'm a Facebook and a Twitter addict. Cindy, you're a big pimpin'. Like Absolutely. You, you're bling. Yeah. Oh, I am extra impressed right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Oh, man. Okay, where do we go? Okay, I have a, need a clarification. Right. Amateur porn mm. versus real-world porn. Mm. Because technically... Real-world sex. Real, oh, sorry. Yep. Thank you. 
amateur porn versus real world sex, mm. both caught on video. The similar yep. things come to mind. Now, I did see the video, and I highly recommend you Google Cindy Gallup Ted to see some awesome stuff. But I know that amateur porn tends to be really serious and kind of sad sometimes, but sometimes really hot. Sure, yeah, but no. Uh, so let me explain what I mean by real world sex. And, and again, by the way, you know, we are, um, we're not competing with anything. We're not competing with porn. We're not competing with um, amateur porn. Um, we are our own thing. Um, and as I said, we play a different role. So here are a few examples of what I mean when I talk about real world sex. And I stress the word example because the whole point about what we're doing is it's an experiment. We're putting this platform out there. You, the world, you, our community, you show us your real-world sex. We have no preconceived notions. But here are some of the things we mean that will give you an idea of why I say we're not porn, we're not amateur, we're real-world sex. So, first of all, real-world sex is funny. If you can't laugh at yourselves when you're having sex, when can you? Porn-world sex is not funny. Porn has parodies, but the sex in them is in earnest. One of the reasons we're doing this is that we want to reassure people the same shit happens to all of us because we never talk about it. You know, instead we go, oh my God, what happened last night was so excruciating, embarrassing, I can never speak about this to anybody ever. So for example, the total nightmare putting the condom on. Okay, guys always meant to know how to do it really smoothly. As we all know, it does not happen like that. When it doesn't happen like that, things go soft, juices dry up, encounters get derailed. Queefing, fanny farts. Everyone doesn't, nothing ashamed of. We, we, we want, that's a British version, um, we want a category that is the sexual equivalent of America's funniest home videos. Because when people film themselves fucking, you don't tend to see the outtakes, but there is absolutely a market for that. So imagine the sex equivalent. There's a viral market for yeah, that action yeah, right there. Yeah, no, imagine the sex equivalent of Charlie Bit My Finger which has now had like 500 million views on, on YouTube. Imagine the appeal of something as funny and spontaneous and human, but in a sex context, which we don't tend to see. You know. So real-world sex is funny. Then real-world sex is messy. So it always amuses me when people talk about porn as being dirty because porn actually sanitizes sex. Porn's very clean. That's a great in, point. In porn, nobody has hair. You never see anybody actually using lube even though they get through gallons on set. You never see any of those nice, messy things that happen in real-world sex. So we want categories like period sex. You don't see that in porn. And as a result, very unfortunately, a myth has sprung up for young guys and girls today that goes, whoa, con of sex during a period, where it's actually when we're our horniest. So we want the hottest, High most five. arousing... Yeah, whoa, you bet. <laughs> so we want the hottest, most arousing real-world sex videos that are, you know, period sex, blood everywhere. No big deal. That's the real world. Then, and this is a very important one, actually, where we see a very interesting opportunity. Real-world sex is responsible. So in porn, either there are no condoms, or all of a sudden the condom's on. Jump cut, they're fucking, where'd that come from? So we want the hottest, most arousing real-world sex that actively competes to eroticize condom usage. What's the hottest, most arousing way? You can introduce a condom into the action, put it on, take it off, dispose of it. I have sex with condoms all the time. I want to watch my kind of sex. But I particularly want creative ideas for those awkward condom moments that we all go through. And if more of us had more creative ideas yeah. on how to make those awkward condom moments hot and arousing, there'd be a lot more safe sex happening, a lot less STDs, and a lot less unwanted pregnancies. We see a huge gap in the market between porn with no condoms, sex ed in the classroom, roll the condom over the banana, it's all about preventing death, disease, destruction. We want to introduce a new sociocultural meme, condom hot. Make condom hot, love not porn. The condom brands have it wrong with their messaging. Reliability is the price of entry. All anybody ever wants to know is that condoms won't get in the way of great sex, and we're all about communication through demonstration. We want to show that you can integrate condoms into great, arousing, hot sex. And then the last area I'll, I'll, I'll share in the context of what real-world sex well, is. You just said so much. Mm. So, like, I just want to like, let that sink in for okay, a second. Because yeah, sure. yeah, well, condom hot as a phrase is fantastic. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. I feel like just in regular life, I could be like, oh, man. Like, I thought that that class was going to be awful, but it was, like, condom hot. You know? Like, just... <laughs> I yeah, love that. I love totally. that. Totally. Yeah, yeah, well, what's well, the same principle? Something you think is, you know, we want to turn something that is, is an awkward, embarrassing, erection-destroying, off-turning necessity into a look how hot this can be, being responsible. Yeah? 
All right. What was the last one? Right. So, 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 <laughs> uh, um, so, so the last one is, uh, so this is another area of real world sex that I guarantee you will not see on any porn or amateur porn site. So um, as a team, we sit around a lot discussing our own sex lives because obviously we've designed our own experiences in, into our venture. You guys need a podcast. <laughs> right. And so we were having this discussion one day and Sarah, who is wonderful she's madam curator she's mm -hmm. our 20 something um community manager you know a curator um so she said to the rest of us um well john who's her husband and i um we have lazy person sex so we all went what the hell is lazy person sex so she told us and i think we can all empathize so lazy person sex is when the two of you have had a really long hard day you're absolutely goddamn knackered you're lying in bed at the end of that really long hard day you are completely totally and utterly shattered but you're really horny you want to get off. You don't want to have to lift a single finger to do it. And that's the point at which John will nudge Sarah and go, can we just have lazy person sex? <laughs> and, and when I heard this, I went, oh, my God, we have to have a category that is make lazy person love, not porn, because everybody can recognize it. And what a blessing for all mankind. You don't have to rock it like a porn star every time. You can have seriously hot, arousing lazy person sex. And, and when I talk about this to people, they go, oh, yeah, you know, my boyfriend and I call it sleepy sex. You know, everyone knows what we mean when we say lazy person sex, sleepy sex. Well, okay. My thought, mm. I mean, what, well, what for her was lazy? Was it her on top and then just sort of like. What, what, oh. what, well, uh, well, I'm not going to get too specific. Oh, as okay. but, 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 but the kinds of things we're talking about are sex with the least amount of effort possible. So whether it's spooning and slipping it in from behind, whether it's, you know, will you jerk me off or will you, or will you just be there for me and help me jerk myself off? Okay. You know, I mean, th there are loads of, you know, loads of different ways you can have fantastic lazy person sex. But, but you know, <laughs> when, when you are not having enough honest conversations about what really goes on in the real world, you know... It's very easy to think, based on looking at an awful lot of porn, amateur porn, that it's got to be a, a performance every time. It doesn't. No, and that, that sometimes is the most interesting. Oh, that's so much fun. Oh, I, I, I definitely know what you mean by lazy person sex. It's just like... Mm. But I've never had the conversation of what's your version of yeah. the least amount of movement sex. Um, yeah, no, but, no, because people tend not, not to have that conversation. And so, again, you know, I go back to what I was saying. This is a platform designed to be sexual social currency to get people to talk about all of this you know um, and to connect better because of it and again I, I want to say you know we are putting no directives out there about what real world sex is we want you to show us we want to see the fascination in real sex lives so you know the joke I make is um, do you remember that film a couple of years ago um, that Google and YouTube made which was called A Life in the Day Of where they invited people from all oh, yeah, around the world yeah. to, okay so if we, if we make this work the way we want to, one day we could put together a life in the night of for the entire yes. world. Bring the world come yeah. together. Yeah, literally. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds like fun. I have a question. Mm. Um, have you gotten... Okay, you said you publicly claimed I tend to date younger men. Mm. Has the interest in you ticked up since all of this has happened like more people kind of being like hey hey cindy how's it going well, uh, uh, well I, I do regularly get very pleasant young gentlemen emailing me saying mm -hmm. that they'd love to have sex with me or 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 or, or they leave that in in the comment streams on my various videos or whatever around the net um but, but i have to tell you that i mean in my dating life um so i i meet the men i date through cougar dating sites I applaud the rise of the niche dating site mm -hmm. because um, I, I'm a huge fan of online dating generally, um, which is how, how I, I got to date younger men by accident. Um, years ago, when I was running an ad agency, we were asked to pitch for an online dating brand. And mm -hmm. so we all had to online date. And this was 11 years ago. None of us had. And so I posted a profile. I was very honest about everything, you know, including my age. Got an avalanche of responses. And much to my surprise, the majority of them were from younger men. And I had not thought of that as a dating strategy, but it worked for me. So, huh. you know, th th that's how I began dating younger men. Um, these, uh, but the single best thing about online dating for anybody is that it enables you to meet people who want the same thing you do. You know, to meet a pre-qualified audience. When you meet somebody in a bar, at a party, through friends, it can take you three months to find out you're not even on the same page life-wise, let alone relationship-wise. Um, when you date online, you can... By what you say, by what you look, look for, you can basically go, this is what I'm in the market for. You know, whether, by the way, that is to settle down, get married, have kids, or just to have fun. 
So I love cougar dating sites because on there I know that every guy on there is there because he's interested in older women. And I am never proactive. I don't have to be because I get a huge amount of responses. But um, I, I'm very selective about whom I date. Um, you know, I have a whole series of filters I go through. And I do not let them know who I am before we meet for the first time. Mm. So I don't give them my last name. Um, I tell them I'm a web entrepreneur. If they ask about my startups, I say, actually, I prefer to talk to you about that when we meet, if, if we meet. Mm. Um, and, and that's not simply about what I do specifically. It's because Google has ruined many first dates. Oh. I would much rather hear about somebody from them and find out about who they are talking to them than, than to have researched the hell out of them online. Um, which, by the way, depending on who you are and how, you, how much you know about managing your profile online can give you a very skewed perspective on who somebody is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you are all about advertising. I mean, you are very good in that field, so you are... Oh, oh I, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy about how I Google. Um, it's just that when I meet somebody for the first time in a date context... I don't want them to know all about me. I want them to find out about me from yeah. me. And I want to connect on that level. And so, um, and, and, and so no, you know, um, the, the, most of the men I date have no idea who I am and no idea what I do until we've met and, and um, we've gotten on really well together. And then I tell them. Can I ask you your opinion on online dating profiles? Or what are the things that, in your experience, men have done to definitely make themselves stand out versus, mm, well... Beside the obvious things that are, we all find really annoying that people do with online dating, specific things that really can bury someone under everybody else. Well, uh, in a way, um, on the one hand, I'm not, I'm not a good person to ask because I have a very specific dating strategy. And so I'm not looking for a lot of the things that people would look for otherwise. Um, but on the other hand, I'm a good person to ask because I have a little sideline in writing online dating profiles for friends. <laughs> because obviously my background is in advertising and marketing. Yeah. And it's amazing how many people, even in my industry, have no idea how to position brand, market, and merchandise themselves, in many capacities, by the way, whether it's selling themselves in life, in relationships, or at work and and in business. Um, And so um, I think, you know, the the single thing that I I would really recommend to um, everybody first and foremost, and and this is a general principle, um, the best moment of my life, and by the way, this wasn't an actual moment, it was just a gradual realization, But the best moment of my life was when I realized that I no longer give a damn what anybody thinks. Because life's a whole lot more fun and you're more able to live it the way you want to when you don't give a damn what anybody else thinks. And I say that in the context of online dating profiles because um, actually the, the answer to standing out is not to worry about what everyone else will think of your profile, but to really express who you really are within it. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things I'm also a big fan of is be your own filter. When you have a really clear sense of who you are and what you're about, mm-hmm. and you project that to the world, you attract to, to, to yourself the people who want what you are, and you repel the people who don't. And trust me, you want to repel the people who don't. And so, um, you know, too many people in online dating profiles make the same mistake too many people do in life, which is to try and present themselves as the, to be what they think other people want, and that's fatal. You know, so it's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So you know, um, in a way, writing an online dating profile is a really great exercise because it's all about. It, it should force you to think about who you really are, what makes you you, what makes you really unique, and project that. Yeah. And you will attract somebody who thinks that's the best thing I've ever heard, and you'll repel the people who think I don't want that, and you want to repel them. And people talk about online dating like it's sort of a game. And I mean, you have to be good with your basic writing skills and whatnot. But really, at the end of the day, just kind of need to be true to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And also, your aim should always be to use the online part to filter out the people you don't want to meet um, and to get to the people you want to meet. And then, and then you have no idea how you will connect with someone until you meet them in the real world. Mm-hmm. And one of the traps that people fall into online regularly is that they, it's very easy when we meet anybody we like to begin projecting 
to begin building and assuming things about them that are, are not the case. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why it's actually really important to have very good filters um, for online. Um, I mean, you shouldn't meet anybody until you've established a number of things, but then to meet them sooner rather than later, as opposed to allowing a fantasy figure to build up in your mind, mm-hmm. um, because the reality is going to be very different. And the reality is, is going to be very different no matter how well the two of you get on online. Until mm-hmm. you meet someone in real life, you have no idea whether you'll click or not. Ah, it's a fun... It's a fun adventure. It is. Yeah. No, I mean, like I say, I, I adore online dating. You know, um, I meet men I would never have met otherwise mm-hmm. from all sorts of different backgrounds and walks of life. You know, our paths are never crossed otherwise, and that's what I find fascinating. Wow. I love that we've gotten a little peek into your dating life and deeper into your knowledge pool because I imagine that most of your interviews, when you're interviewed, you're talking about make love, not porn. Right? Um, no, actually. Um, I, I do a number of things, and, and so I'm interviewed about a number of things. So um, uh, there's a whole aspect, obviously, which is If We Ran the World, my other startup. So I do oh, yeah, I was that. there. I went yeah. to that site. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and then, um, you know, because both of my startups are early stage, obviously, they are not yet generating revenue in the way that I need them to. Mm-hmm. So I, I consult and I do public speaking to pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And so I do a lot of public speaking on the future of business in, in different industry sectors. And so I get interviewed about, you know, the future of advertising or, you know, the talks I give on business in, in various places and conferences around the world. So, um, so no, um, you know, Make Love and Porn is not the only thing I get to talk about. And also what, what people don't always realize is Make Love Not Porn is a manifestation of my own personal philosophies about business and my attempt to redesign the future of business. So I believe the business model of the future is shared values plus shared action equals shared profit financial profit and social profit. And so I designed Make Love Not Poor Not TV around that business model. Mm-hmm. You know, our community comes together on the basis of shared values. You know, we are for people who believe as we do that we should be more open, healthy, honest, and authentic around sex. Um, we enable people to take shared action. Mm-hmm. So we have put this platform out there, but you, our community, you are sharing your videos, you're renting videos, so we are doing things together to create a better you know, um, dialogue around sex. And that results in finan- shared financial profit for us and our contributors um, and um, shared social profit and benefit in terms of our social mission. It feels very cooperative instead mm. of competitive. Mm. And everyone benefits. And and actually, it's very interesting you said that, Sandra, because uh, when I talk about um, business, um, I talk about the fact that in every industry sector currently, I observe um, the phenomenon of collaborative competition. Collaborative competition is when everybody in a sector competes with everyone else in the sector by doing exactly the same thing everyone else in the sector is doing which, by the way, is what the porn industry is doing at the moment, Mm -hmm. as well as the music industry and, you know, the TV Mm -hmm. industry and so on. I believe the future is competitive collaboration, by which I mean when everybody in a sector collaborates and gets together to make things better for all of us on the premise of a rising tide floats all boats, it's off the back of that collaboration that we are each then enabled to be uniquely competitive, leveraging our own skills and talents. And so, again, um, my ventures are demonstrations of that business philosophy. So you're absolutely right. Both If We Ran the World and Make Love Not Porn are user-generated crowdsource platforms where we are inviting communities to collaborate to make things better for all of us. It's beautiful because there are plenty of hippies out there who have positive intentions, but the fact that you come from the business place, so you are serious. Like I can tell. I mean, you're dressed in like a leather dress and like hardcore silver jewelry like you're tough you know you can just get it i feel it and and to say that you are well spoken is definitely like not even i don't even know the word to describe how clear your messaging is in terms of your language and then the fact that you have the heart to put it toward this direction is it's smart and it's wonderful and I appreciate it as a human, just as a human. Well, I'm, I'm delighted to hear you say that, Sandra. And I, and I wish, I wish more people understood that because um, my single biggest frustration at the moment, and, and it's the reason why I was so thrilled to interview Larry Flint um, today at the Pro Max BDA conference here in LA. 
um, is because I enormously empathise with all the battles he fought to build his business because I'm fighting those same battles at the same time as are all of us who are, you know, looking to build businesses and innovate and disrupt in the area of sex and porn. So um, one of the things that I try and talk about publicly as often as possible um, is the fact that um, because we we don't talk about sex, we don't talk about porn, you know, we all watch it, we don't talk about it, mm-hmm. porn therefore exists in this, you know, parallel universe, in this shadowy other world. When you force something, anything, into the shadows and underground, you make it a lot easier for bad things to happen. You make it much more difficult for good things to happen. The answer to everything that worries people about porn is not to do what everybody thinks you should do, which is to clamp down, censor, shut down, block, repress. The answer is to open up. Open up the dialogue in the way that Make Love Not Porn is designed to help. Open up the ability for people like me and my team to do business on the same terms and conditions as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Open up the ability for more entrepreneurs to come in and innovate and disrupt in this area. And that's how you solve the issue of what everyone's worried about to do with porn. And that's how you help the porn industry invent a better future for itself. Because um, I must admit, I had no idea when I embarked on this venture how extraordinarily difficult it was going to be. And I had no idea of the battle that my team and I were going to have to fight every single day to make it happen. Right, you couldn't even get a bank account, right? Yep. Um, so, you know, it took, me, it took me two years to get Make Love Not Porn to be funded, which is very ironic because in theory, I should have been every Silicon Valley venture capitalist wet dream, literally. I have an idea enabled by technology designed to disrupt a sector worth billions of dollars in a way that is both socially beneficial and potentially very lucrative. But because that sector is porn and the social benefits of sexuality, no VC would touch me. When I finally found one angel investor who got it, put up a small amount of seed funding, um, closed on that funding 18 months ago, couldn't then get my hands on the actual money for two months because I could not find a single bank here in America that will allow me to open a business bank account for a business that has the word porn in its name, even though our name is Make Love Not Porn, and that does what we do. I still can't. I can't find a bank anywhere in the world that wants my business. That's remarkable. And our single biggest problem has been putting our payments infrastructure in place. So because we're adult content, you know, PayPal won't work with us, Amazon won't, you know, none of the big mainstream payment processes will. Um, Every obstacle an entrepreneur with a tech startup encounters, have a tech startup dealing with sex, triple them. Every piece of business infrastructure, any other business can take for granted, we can't because the small print always says no adult content. And by the way, I should just explain to your listeners because I get asked this question regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we find it difficult to work with adult industry-specific operators for several reasons. One is that, um, you know, um, The most important thing about any business partner we work with is that before anything else, they need to get what we're doing, believe in it, support it, and want to help make it happen. Otherwise, it's just too difficult to work together. When I talk to adult um, industry-specific payment partners, for example, Mm -hmm. um, they tend to go, yeah, yeah, social mission, social values, you're porn like all the rest. Not the right basis for the kind of relationship that I want to build. They're not hearing it. No. Um, Then... um, because the adult industry has nowhere else to go um, in, in this area, um, the rates are extortionate. Um, so our revenue-sharing business model is based on, you know, we give you, our contributor, 50% of the rental income, net a small amount um, to cover hosting and transaction fees. We need transaction fees to be mainstream level, and the rates are very high in an in, in, in adult. And then, and then finally, um, ironically, um, we're too high risk for them. So I literally had a conversation with, with an adult-specific um, partner who said to me, you're a startup, you know, no cash flow, you know, no assets, no funds, no track record. You're too high risk for us to work with. So, um, so I'm fighting the battle to be allowed to do business with mainstream partners in a mainstream way with mainstream rates and mainstream business conditions. It almost sounds, and this is probably incredibly narcissistic, but it almost sounds like you're talking about me because of where I lie within the Venn diagrams of comedy, sex ed, new age stuff, psychology, like all of the things, like no one knows exactly where to put me. It's always an interesting conversation. And so it is hard when you're so new and you're so unique. So um, so, you're um, not fitting. Sandra, this is precisely why you have to create your own market. And so um, one, one of the things that, Many very well-meaning people said to me along this very difficult journey was, Cindy, 
why don't you just change the name of your company? Call it something different. Take the word porn out of it. You know, create an innocuous holding company name, doing business as, which is obviously what a lot of people in the porn industry do. Um, I refuse to do that. And the reason I refuse to do that is because when you concept and design a venture around existing societal biases and prejudices, all you do is reinforce them. I refuse to bow to existing societal bias and prejudice. I want to change it. So in your case, don't try and fit yourself into other people's boxes. Create your own box, which, which is what we're out to do. And by the way, I'm fighting this battle for you and for all of us. And um, when I talk about making real world sex socially acceptable and socially shareable, because the huge irony, Sandra, is that, um, you know, and I say this all the time to the tech industry, you know, I go, in the tech world, we pride ourselves on, you know, access, open access to everything, you know, the freedom of the internet, you know, inventing the future. Tech world I call bullshit. Until you change <laughs> your attitude towards ventures designed to change the world through sex, all you're doing is you're perpetuating the same old world order closed-mindedness you pride yourselves in exploding. And... That is the most wrong-headed way you could operate, particularly because, oh my God, the financial returns you could make if you change your mindset mm-hmm. in, in two areas. First of all, in sex, which is something we all do, you know, recession-proof, the market never goes away. But secondly, oh my God, the financial returns in socially acceptable sex. When you make sex socially acceptable, you, you double, triple, quadruple exponentially the money you can make out of it. Oh, yeah. That market is so right. I mean, it's like the food mm. industry. I mm. mean, we've got food and sex. And the food, food talking about food is totally fine. So, yeah. No, to, uh, but, to, imagine? Uh, uh, precisely. And so I quite often have to say to people who operate um, in the whole area of sex, are doing great work, um, stop putting yourself in the shadows. You know, um, you need to operate um, absolutely as, you know, this is normal. Um, so, for example, a young woman came to me. One of the things that I'm very pleased about is that, um, you know, young entrepreneurs are now writing to me saying, we see the, the trail you're blazing, and so, you know, I'm starting this venture to do with sex because I'm inspired by what you're doing. So a young woman came to see me um, last year, and she had a startup. Um, there are quite a few of these, actually, where she wanted to launch you know, a brand of, you know, beautifully designed, really cool sex toys. Mm-hmm. So she was telling me about it, and she said, um, you know, and, and of course, you know, Cindy, people are very embarrassed to be seen buying sex toys. So the way we're going to send them out is going to mail them out. Like, and I went, okay, hold it right there. You need to go right back to the beginning and reconcept your venture from the ground up. You need not to be saying people are really embarrassed to buy sex toys. You need to be saying we're going to make people not embarrassed to buy sex toys. That's what you have to do. So, you know, break down that, you know, that glass wall, you know, the parallel universe in which everything to do with sex and porn exists. You know, normalize sex. You know, I, um, I talk about um, our, our end goal with Make Love Not Porn, and it's a very big, big goal. But if I and my team achieve what we're looking to do, the ultimate corollary of success is that one day nobody should ever have to feel ashamed or embarrassed ever again about having a naked photograph or a sex tape of themselves posted on the internet because it's simply just a natural human part of who we all are. When you take the shame and embarrassment out of sex, you defuse revenge porn. And by the way, when you take the shame and embarrassment out of sex, you defuse many things that have the potential to make human lives very unhappy. Oh my goodness, I feel like you're opening up the gate for just raising the bar on what human happiness can be Mm, just in living life. I'm noticing you have an accent, Miss Gallup. Um, you are from the UK? Um, I'm half English, half Chinese. Okay. Yeah, my, my, fa- uh, my father is English, my mother's Chinese. I was yeah. wondering if there was some half and half going on. I'm yeah. half and half, so I'm all uh, but, but, uh, but don't tell me you've only just noticed my British accent. I can't believe that. <laughs> just silly, being silly. Um, but I notice that I have, a, I have a lot of UK listeners, and they tend to be... I tend to hear a lot about sexual oppression in the UK. However, there's also this American conversation around, oh, in Europe, sex is so normal. I don't know if you can offer any cross-cultural yep. Um Yep, no, I have to tell you, I mean, everything that Make Love Not Porn is combating is an issue everywhere in the world. You know, and I know that because people write to me from every country in the world. And we get traffic um, from every country in the world. Um, interestingly, the highest sources of traffic to make love, not porn, are regularly the most repressed cultures, India, Pakistan, Indonesia, China. Um, no, I mean, you know, 
people ask me, is there anywhere in the world that is open and honest and healthy in the way that you want to see? And I go, maybe Scandinavia, but even there, there are issues. And in fact, um, so, so here's, here's something that um, your British listeners may find interesting and, and listeners in other parts of the world as well. So um, one of, uh, 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 as I said, people write from every country in the world. And so I'm now lining up people in those countries to be on the ground in market ambassadors for Make Love Not Porn, reach out to their networks, you know, ask them to submit you know, real-world sex videos. And the reason I'm doing that is best exemplified by a conversation that I had um, a couple of years ago with Thomas from Greece. So Thomas, a 20-something Greek guy, came across makelovenotporn.com, wrote to me on Facebook going, oh my God, Greece needs this. So he and I Skyped. And Thomas t- talked to me about the Greek porn industry. Because obviously oh, Greece has a porn industry, like, like, like every country has a porn industry. And Thomas tells me that Greek porn used to be what he characterizes as very emotional, very romantic. Huh. Then about five years ago, he began noticing the impact on the Greek porn industry of the American porn industry. Mm-hmm. Because we never talk about the fact that one of the U.S.'s biggest exports to the rest of the world is a tsunami of porn coming out of the valley. Today, the Greek porn industry replicates the American porn industry. Mm. Greek porn directors, actors, actresses are doing what they see come out of the valley. And so, you know, I've lined up Thomas in Greece, Omar in Mexico, Ryan in the UK, Charlotte in France, etc., etc., um, to, to, to call in submissions from their countries because yeah. I want Make Love Not Porn to help countries reclaim their national sexual identity Ooh. because every country has one. National stereotypes exist in sex as much as they do in other forms of behavior like cooking or eating, it's just we never talk about it. But anyone who's ever shagged their way around the world can testify. People make love differently based on the culture, society, country they come from. But porn is homogenizing sex everywhere in the world. Oh, my God, just like and McDonald's. So, it's like McDonald's. Precisely. And so, and so we want people to make French love, not porn, make Indian love, not porn, make British love, not porn. We want to reinstill a sense of national pride, and we wouldn't mind instilling a sense of national competitiveness. We would love the Olympics of real-world sex playing out on makelovenotporn.tv. You dream big, and I love it. Oh, my God, Thank this you. is... My brain is exploding. My brain is exploding. Okay, like, well, now I have to ask. French... Sex partners versus American, well, French partners. I mean, it's like as an American, I don't hear an American accent. So, and I don't think, come to think of it, I've never slept with anyone who's not from Oh, really? America. Oh, interesting. Well, well, I have to tell you, I mean, you know, um, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. And so um, I have to say that, you know, um, the, uh, I, I see a difference between European and American partners, and um, I've had some very nice French partners who absolutely have, have demonstrated what the world believes about France. <laughs> um, but um, but you know, um, what's what's interesting, I think, is that um, you know th- there are many things to do with how we operate sexually that people don't think about in in the real world in the way that they should. So another one of my personal bugbears is, you know, um, many of us, if we're lucky enough, are born into families where our parents bring us up to have good manners, Mm -hmm. um, a work ethic, a sense of accountability, a sense of responsibility. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed, and they should, because generosity, sensitivity empathy, selflessness are as important in bed as they are in every other area of life and business where we are taught to operate them. And so one of the things I want Make Love Not Born to Be to do is to flip the social equation of what we are trained and acculturated to find hot, desirable, and dateable. Quite often, that really hot guy or girl in the bar at the party that everyone is after Not good is in bed. often the worst in bed because we <laughs> have to try. And so I want to showcase through real-world sex videos what really matters in intimate relationships and how your values play out in the bedroom, in the place that we never talk about, we never educate about, we never teach about in the way that we should. Ah, oh, Cindy Gallup, that was so good. I really have enjoyed myself here on this posh yellow couch. Um, where can everyone find you out in the world and where you want to send them? Right. So, um, well, I would love people to, well, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Cindy Gallup and we also have at Make Love Not Porn. Um, you can subscribe to my feed on Facebook. I'm up to my friend limit, um, mm-hmm. but you, you can follow out a post there. Um, 
anybody who's listening to this and um, believes in our mission, please do come to makelovenotporn.tv. Please sign up. Please rent videos to support us. Um, because the normal sources of tech startup funding are close to us, and by the way, um, it's worth making this point. We are eight and a half months live now. We launched as minimum viable product last August, enclosed invitation only beta. We only took the site into open beta back in January. So we're only four and a half months old you know, in public access. We have over 100,000 members. We have taken in tens of thousands of dollars in revenue. So in a world where the received wisdom is nobody pays for porn, they're paying for real world sex. Several of our Make Love Not Porn stars are already making four figures at each payout. Um, so we, um, our battle is to, is to get Make Love Not Porn to be financially operational under its own steam before our seed funding runs out. Right. And so if you believe in what we're doing, please come and support us. Please rent videos to help us you know, get this business to work um, so that we can help create a more open, honest, authentic, healthy dialogue around sex for everybody. Yeah, and it sounds like you have basically you're sitting on a whole lot of videos that no one else gets to watch. That that sounds like, absolutely. I want to I want to do that. Well, and uh, and also um, I'd love to ask people to please you know share your real world sex with us. You know, funny, spontaneous, ridiculous, silly. You know, show the world what real world sex really is and how utterly utterly wonderful it is. Our tagline is pro sex pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. Demonstrate how wonderful that difference can be. Oh, America's Funniest Videos for Sex. This is so important for everyone's laughter meters. Okay, Cindy, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your conference. Thank you, Sandra. Love talking to you.